This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Welcome on this rainy and windy Wednesday in Toronto. Libby returns tomorrow. She is recording an episode of The Zoomer for our sister station, Vision TV, which you'll find out more on at a later date. You can also check out new episodes of The Zoomer every Monday, Vision TV at 10 p.m. Also, if you're thinking about doing your will or redoing your will, or any estate planning at all, you'll want to stay around for the second half hour of Fight Back. Financial and estate planner Mike, or Mark Halpern, Mark Halpern will be here to take your calls. You may have heard the news. There are no second chances for impaired drivers who've been found guilty on two occasions of drinking and driving in the province of Quebec. As of this past Monday, drivers in Quebec found guilty of a second offense will be forced to drive vehicles containing an alcohol ignition interlock device. This device is like a breathalyzer, which costs between $1,000 and $1,500 in the province of Quebec. It requires motorists to blow into it to check for a blood alcohol level before the car can even start. What do you think about this law? It is being described as the most progressive in North America by those against drinking and driving. And, of course, we all are, but some make a career out of it. What do you think? Is it too far? Should people be given a third chance? Or are they less likely to reoffend if they have to blow into this breathalyzer to start their cars for the rest of their lives? The lines are open. This is a hot-button topic. I'm sure you have an opinion on it. Many of you out there listening are driving. 416 and of course, hands-free, please. Or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Now, joining us for this discussion is Sarah Lehman, criminal defense lawyer specializing in impaired driving cases. Sarah, welcome. Thank you for having me. We also have Marie-Claude Moran, Quebec regional manager of MAD Canada. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, I want to know from you first, uh, from the Mothers Against Drunk Driving perspective, uh, how great this news is, in your opinion. Um, it's an important news. Um, we knew about this for a while because this is part of Bill 165 that was um, passed in April 2018. So it's not a new measure. It's something that that got implemented this week, but it was, as I said, the law was passed last year. So we knew it was in the works and it was coming. Um, to us, it is important because we need to control impaired drivers, especially people who have an issue making a difference between drinking and driving. And right now, as it stands from a technological standpoint, the interlock is the only 
tool we have to do so. So to implement this and, and impose an interlock on repeat offenders to us is a good measure, and we hope it helps people along the line. Um, is there ev- any evidence, scientific evidence, that it would discourage a potential third offender against drinking and driving? Well, I'm sure that SAC did its, its, its research on this. I don't, I don't have data to provide okay. to you. But it is evident to us that if you can't start your car if you're intoxicated, evidently you won't drive. Um, it is, Quebec has probably what is the best interlock program in Canada, maybe the world, we're not quite sure, but definitely in Canada. A lot of drivers are using the interlock. It used to be something that was imposed now. They're allowed to make a request to have one if they so desire because they have an issue with alcohol and driving. And since the uh, arrival of a new supplier for the uh, machine, the equipment. It's been a little more affordable for drivers. And uh, so far, so good. It's working for the people who are on the program. And it's, it has been SAC's approach all along to target people with high BACs or repeat offenders. Uh, you may know, you may be aware that we do not have a um, um, a program to target drivers who are over 05 in Quebec. This has never been uh, implemented because SAC and the government has, have decided that they would target people with high BACs. For example, if you are, you know, twice over the limit and you're arrested, you are considered a repeat offender. So this is their approach. This is where they've headed with these measures. And um, as I said, we consider the interlock right now to do, to be the best tool available. Okay, and this is where I want you to weigh in, uh, listening to us on Zoomer Radio. What do you think about these this new law and the idea, which is has been brought in in Quebec, where those who have been convicted twice of drinking and driving now have to breathe into a special device breathalyzer to check their blood alcohol level before the vehicle can start. Is this something we should implement here in Ontario? And why do you think that? Why or why not? 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-744-740. The lines are ringing. I'll get to you in just a moment. Uh, But first, Sarah Lehman, criminal defense lawyer, uh, calling us from Vancouver and specializing in impaired driving cases. Your view on what Quebec is doing to discourage drinking and driving, Sarah? Yeah, thank you for um, having me on. First of all, I do want to start out by saying that absolutely nobody is in favor of impaired driving. Um, So it's very important for us to be exploring different options moving forward that can address this very socially problematic behavior. Now, that being said, I'm not certain that uh, asking drivers to install an ignition interlock for life after a second offense is the appropriate measure here. 
I think it's an interesting take. Uh, I'm, you know, curious as to a number of different factors here. I would like to know who would be responsible for the installation and maintenance of that device, Mm -hmm. uh, because this can be cost prohibitive to people who are on fixed income or people who are more marginalized. And unfortunately, those are often the individuals who struggle with substance abuse issues, including alcoholism. I would also like to know if there's going to be any other rehabilitative measures taken towards individuals who are repeat offenders, whether or not there's any education programs or anything else that can be done in order to actually treat the underlying alcoholism Mm -hmm. and the problem behavior. So these are all big questions for me. I'd also like to point out that people who own motor vehicles do not use them exclusively. So there are families out there who rely on just one vehicle in order to meet every family member's needs. And is this going to be something that's going to affect people who have never been convicted of any criminal offense or engaged in any criminal activity? Oh, that's a good point. Let's uh, put that to Marie Claude. I'm curious to know about that. So there there are two or three licensed drivers in one family. One of them has been convicted twice of DUI. How does that work for the for the drivers who have a clean record? Do they also have to breathe into the breathalyzer? Absolutely. I mean, otherwise the car will not start. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, To answer one of the questions raised by um, the lawyer, the new provider of the interlocks in Quebec has a very wide network of installers. Um, it used to be very complicated to get an interlock and have it maintained. Now they've they've partnered with um, a series of um, garages and, and body shops that can actually do the work. They've been trained to do it. And because we're in, in a very technically advanced age nowadays. Um, Everything is computerized, so it's a lot simpler than the older model interlock, and it's also less costly. We realize that it is an inconvenience. You know, the interlock as it stands today is, is complicated. It's costly and complicated. But as I said, unless and until we have intelligent cars that will have a more discreet and mm-hmm. um, user-friendly system, it's the only tool we have. And what about skirting the rules? Uh, a driver uh, who may be potentially about to offend a third time for drinking and driving, that individual gets somebody else to bro- blow into the breathalyzer to start the car. Sure, they can, they can try that. But the thing is, the system will randomly ask you to retest so you can be driving and uh, in three minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, the system will ask you to retest. So, sure, you can get someone to start your car, but that's not a You, you, could, not you could also drive another motor vehicle as well. This, yes. this seems to assume that people who are convicted of two historical impaired driving offenses don't have access to any other vehicle except the vehicle they're designated to drive, which is in, equipped with an ignition interlock. That's sure. just simply not the case. Sure, but the law is is clear on this. The measure says that the individual has to drive a car equipped with the system. So therefore, if they're arrested and they're driving someone else's car, 
then there'll be consequences. All right, let's get to the Zoomer radio listeners in on this conversation as well. What do you think about the new rules in Quebec? Uh, second offenders have to, for the rest of their lives, as long as they want to drive, blow into a breathalyzer that will be installed on their vehicle to start the car to make sure that they are not under the influence. Let's go to Jim in Vaughan. Jim, thanks for joining us here on Zoomer Radio, trying to click on Jim and uh, having little success. Jim, can you hear me? No, we'll have to work on that. I don't have the ability to... I'm good? Okay, Jim, go ahead. Uh, Very briefly, you've answered my question, but I still think uh, what should happen is that the... uh, this driver should have to wear some type of a sign or something to show that he has been convicted so that people can be aware of him, and also the public can also assist in the restricting him how he's driving. So, Jim, you'd like to see the law go even further? Absolutely. They have started, I mean, this is what you bring up reminds me of what's been done in York Region, where they publish the names of people convicted of drinking and driving. Uh, even more so, they should have some type of sign, like a handicap sign, but it's a, a big D on the on the windshield or something to indicate, so that if somebody happens to see him maneuvering about on the highway, then they'll definitely call immediately that there is a problem. Okay, Jim, thanks for your call. I'll put that to Sarah Lehman. I have a feeling that that would violate civil liberties. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm absolutely horrified by that suggestion as a criminal lawyer and just as a lawyer. That is um, something that would absolutely be, in my view, contrary to a person's charter rights. All right. Let's go to Keith in Stouffville. Go ahead, Keith. Hi, Jane. I think it's a good idea. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of lawyers that, uh, you know, people drinking and driving, they make a lot of money off that, you know, getting them off a lot of times. Uh, for different reasons, I don't know what. But uh, listen, anybody that does that twice is, is caught twice. Has been doing a lot longer than that, and mm-hmm. will continue doing it. And, and and it's not an inconvenience. If the guy wants to keep driving, then he can have that installed. And uh, if he's driving something else, he'll pay the price for that too. If he's caught drinking and driving again. But overall, you'd like to see that implemented in Ontario. I think so yeah. Well, All right. Well, look at. I mean, you know. The accidents that are that are being caused and people that are dying from uh, drinking, people drinking and driving. Well, let me ask you this, Marie Claude: uh, How many people, or ha- has the situation improved? Let's say that is uh, drinking and driving less of an issue than it was, say, ten years ago. No, and what we see now is that not only alcohol is an issue, but drugs in general. Um, it, evidently, the interlock does does not impact drug-impaired driving. We'll need new measures for that. But if we can curtail the alcohol side of things, right now we're still talking about four Canadians per day who die because of somebody drinking or using drugs on Canadian roads and hundreds of of injured um, Canadians. So we need to have strong measures to discourage the behavior and to um, encourage people to think before they they make a very, very um, irresponsible decision to drive after they 
they they drink, basically. You're listening to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown for Libby Snymer. She returns tomorrow. And joining us for the discussion is Marie-Claude Moran, Regional Director of Mad Canada in Quebec, uh, as well as Sarah Lehman on the phone from Vancouver, criminal defense lawyer specializing in impaired driving cases. Sarah, let me put this to you very simply. Does this new legislation in Quebec violate the individual liberties of a Canadian? Well, that's something that's going to have to be decided by the court. Of course, that's the most legal answer that you could uh, expect from me at this point. This is brand new legislation. So it hasn't been tested yet. Uh, it's always interesting when I see governments passing mandatory minimums because those have, have been held to be contrary to individual charter rights and liberties. And I want to point out that the ignition interlock device is something that is well within the jurisdiction of any court to order upon the conviction of a person for impaired driving. It does not need to be legislatively mandated for a prescribed period of a lifetime, which is the most extreme measure I can possibly even contemplate. So, I mean, this is something that is within the jurisdiction of the courts, and I think it's best to leave these things in their hands as they are the most competent jurisdiction to deal with it. So, uh, say somebody does uh, decide to fight this. They've been convicted twice. They've paid their dues to society. They've turned over a new leaf. Uh, is there any way you can fight not purchasing this device in your vehicle? How, how would you go about doing that. Well, here in British Columbia, we also had a mandatory ignition interlock program for some period of time. And there was an application process that people could go through in order to appeal to our administrative services to be precluded from participating in it. Now, I don't know if that is something that's available in Quebec. But even if it's not, I think that this is something that could be challenged using our charter and the constitutional laws available to make arguments about a person's individual rights and liberties. Let's get back to the phones. I know you want to weigh in on this. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Sarah's calling from Barrie. Go ahead, Sarah. Hi there. How are you? I'm fine. What's on your mind with regards to this? Well, I personally don't drive. I'm a, I'm a walker. And uh, I can't tell you how many times walking around the city of Barrie, city of Peterborough, Toronto, I've almost been hit just crossing the street when I'm meant to. And I have noticed, and I've called the police on the cars, and they ended up being drunk drivers. And oh, because, it the, me. because the vehicle is pulled over later? Oh, they've literally almost hit me while I'm supposed to be crossing at the crossing lane. Okay. Many times in different cities, Peterborough, Ontario, Barrie, Ontario, Toronto. And um, every time I've called the police, they've been drunk drivers. I'm 32, never driven in my life. I'm afraid to because of the people on the road, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and I have a little girl and I'm walking with her and this is a common thing and it scares me. There should be no second chances. Like if someone hit me and my little girl, how many lives would be destroyed if we were killed by that person? So in your mind, it's no big deal. You've offended twice. It's the least you can do is blow into a breathalyzer to drive the car. Well, not just that, but some people need to go to, like, rehab or something and Mm -hmm. get, like, proper treatment for their addiction. And, you know, a lot of them drive around assuming that what they're doing is okay because, you know, they tied into their addiction problem. Right. I've actually, I'm a supply teacher, and I've actually had to disassociate myself with staff because they don't have a problem with having a few drinks at Applebee's and having a steak and getting in the car and driving home. And I'm like, excuse me? You're an educator, and you're doing this? Like, how is that any... Like, we're adults. Like, 
you know better. You know what I mean? I do know exactly what you mean. I think we all know people like that. It's really, it's so common these days, and it's actually quite terrifying, you know? Yeah. I just hope that Canada gets on the right path, and we hopefully become leaders in this, you know, drinking and driving thing around the world, because... Oh, my God, imagine the lives that have been lost and just ruined because of this. Absolutely. Sarah, thank you so much for your call. Thank you kindly. Marie-Claude, let's talk about that. Um, So certainly the breathalyzer device uh, dissuades somebody from being able to drink and then drive. Uh, Speaking to Sarah's point there, what else is being done for convicted drinking and uh, for people who've been convicted under DUI? Well, Quebec does impose a rehabilitation program. I mean, to impaired drivers who are uh, found guilty, of course. And to respond to something that was said, the for life issue, um, a driver can, if they, if he or she did not reoffend, can ask for the removal of the uh, equipment after ten years if there is no further um, charges. Okay, so, so the, life, the life, life qualification does have a time limit. Yes, it has a 10-year, that after 10 years, if you did not reoffend, you can ask for the interlock to be removed from your car. Um, note that the interlock does register everything you do in the car. So the SAC knows if you've tried to start your car a number of times while you were impaired, and this goes into your personal file. If you did not reoffend, you can uh, you can make a submission that you've been you know a good driver. You have not reoffended, and you can have the equipment removed after ten years. And I want to point out that BC does have a minimum interlock uh, for repeat offenders. It's it's a light lighter sentence, shall we say, a lighter um, consequence. It's two years. But there is something in place. In well, BC. even here in Ontario, right, Sarah, uh, for people who have offended, they do have to use the breathalyzer device in their vehicle for a period of time. Is it is it a year? No, it's three years. For a second offense in Ontario. In it's Ontario, three it's, it's yeah. three years. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to Ellen in Toronto. Go ahead, Ellen. Oh, hi there. I just uh, would like to say, um, you know, no second chances. Um, let's use, let's utilize zero tolerance the way we do with under 21 you you know you make a mistake once you know that's fine you make a mistake twice license is taken away i think it's absurd that we're spending all this time and money on trying to help and modify people that are offending Ella, and thank you for calling in let's go to tibor in whitby go ahead tibor yes good afternoon i'm a little bit hoarse because i got a sore throat so my opinion is they should have zero alcohol level and you lose your driving privileges for life because uh, driving is a privilege. It's not a right. And if, if the, some of the problem is people go out for dinner or something like that or whatever, they have a drink and they say, oh, I might have two drinks and we'll sit around for a while or whatever. And then depending on if they had anything before, their body size, et cetera, et cetera, they're impaired. Mm-hmm. Perfect case of that, uh, I can't remember if it was Russo or whatever, that kid that came back from Las Vegas a couple of years ago and wiped out a whole family. Yes. And that guy could have bought a new car and had the salesman drive him home with the money that he's had now. That's from what I heard in the news and stuff like that. All right. And I hate to compare us to Europe, but uh, in Europe they have zero tolerance if you have 
even the smell of alcohol, the slightest bit or whatever, you're, uh, you're thrown in jail right on the spot. The other thing I do not agree with is what they have here is that you're convicted before you actually go to court and everything because your car is impounded, your license is lost and uh, for seven days. I, I totally disagree with that aspect of it. But And the other thing is the people that seem to be able to afford a good lawyer end up getting off with it, even if they did blow over or whatever. Okay, a lot of points there. I do thank you for your call, and we only have about a half minute left here, so I want our guests to be able to sum up their thoughts. Sarah Lehman, go ahead. Oh, yes. Um, Well, I appreciate everybody's comments today. Thank you so much for calling in. It's great to have such great public discourse on this issue. It's very important for us to continue to further our community education around issues of impaired driving. And of course, I would encourage everybody to um, consider this and talk about it with their family members. I'm just not sure this is the right approach, but I think we'll get it right someday. Okay. And Marie Claude? Well, as I said earlier, we think it's it's good news for us. Um, especially now as we enter into the holiday season where people will be drinking, mm-hmm. will be taking drugs. I want to remind everybody that you need to plan ahead and not ever drive if you've been drinking or consuming drugs. I thank you both for your time. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.